Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 235 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Batano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with batano.ca. I'm Jason Greger, alongside uh, Frank Saravalli, who's uh, joining us from the uh, from his beach home. Sounds like a real big deal there. Uh, Frankie, how you doing? Good. Uh, not a big deal, but uh, yeah, happy to be relaxing a bit, trying to put the phone down just a little bit, but also want to stay involved and uh, and keep up on what's happening around the league, still be in conversation with some people and, uh, you know, just kind of lightly keep your finger on the pulse, if that makes any sense. No, no, it makes total sense. You, you want to have some downtime, but not get completely uh, shut out mm-hmm. time. And, you know, I, I think for, for me, uh, we'll, we'll get to some of the arbitration hearings because I think it's very interesting. Uh, Kurashev and Samsonov uh, each got their awards uh, that came out today uh, where their hearings are, were last week. And now we don't have any until July 30th. But I definitely think these two are going to impact uh, some future ones for sure. But I do want to start. Adam uh, Johansson had a had an article uh, at the Express about uh, Eric Carlson. Did a one on one interview with him. Of course, he won the uh, the Golden Boot. Is the best? Uh, uh, not the Golden Boot. boot. Not, not the Golden gold, Boot. It's called Gold Puckin. <laughs> yeah, the Gold Puckin. The uh, for the best Swedish player, and uh, that was his third one that he's won. First one since uh, 2016, I, I think, or 17. And in that, he went into pretty in depth about where he's at as far as trades. And, you know, he's told the Sharks, hey, I want to be traded. He, he admits he's talked to Pittsburgh and Seattle and Toronto and some other teams. Realistically, like like Pittsburgh, I know a lot of people are like, well, Pittsburgh, come on. But if I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins, Frank, it actually makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. And so, you know, we looked at it and I was batting around some possible trade ideas and you know, now Jeff Petrie, I think if you're trading for Carlson, he's got to go simply for cap number, but he has a 15 team, no trade list. So I don't know if San Jose is on it or not. I'm guessing it might not be. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where that one goes, but between Pittsburgh, Toronto, Seattle, I'm not sure Carolina is realistically a fit like Pittsburgh, I think is the best fit. They could be. I mean, if, if you think about it from their perspective, right you've already got a pile of players in that age range. You've got some contract term on those players. Why not try and load up and add to your team in a significant way with a hundred point defenseman and really go all in. I mean, if the point is to emphasize and extend the window as long, as long and as deep as possible with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, why wouldn't you try to surround them with a Norris Trophy winning defenseman? Another one. Um, that's the thought process. But here's where things have kind of gone off the rails. And if you read between the lines, and it's always tough to do with a translated article, 
But if you read between the lines, Eric Carlson and Mike Greer haven't spoken in a few weeks. And I think the holdup is that essentially the Penguins, the Canes, the Leafs, these other teams that have been in the mix, Seattle especially. And by the way, from a pure cap perspective, I think Seattle makes the most sense, even though they don't have a ton of space at this exact moment in time after that monster Vince Dunn deal. But if you look at the Penguins and, and the Canes and what these teams have essentially said to the Sharks is, if, if you're looking to move on from Eric Carlson, we'll take him off your hands. But even if you're looking at it from the Penguins' perspective, they don't have anything to give. Yeah. They have no prospects and just basically their own picks. And that's it. And so they're saying to the Sharks, if, if you want to give him to us, we'll take him from you, but we're not going to give you a haul that you would be expecting for a 100-point defenseman. And that's really where my understanding is the disconnect has been. The Sharks are still looking for a significant return for Eric Carlson, and they haven't found one team that's willing to give them anywhere close to that and so those teams have all essentially sat back and said, hey, call us in August. You let us know when you want to talk and, and we can pick this up again, but we're not giving you anything significant. And that's problematic for the Sharks because they think this is a player that you have to get a return for. And more than that, they don't really want to get nothing and retain 20% on this player just to get him off their books. So I think the hangup has been a little bit along the same lines of what we heard back at the trade deadline, which is the Sharks are looking for a significant deal and they're not properly valuing the cap space, the freedom, the flexibility from getting off of an $11.5 million player. And that's really what's holding this back. Now, I, I looked at Pittsburgh, and now they do have two prospects, uh, you know, recent first-round picks. Owen Pickering would be one, big defenseman. Um, and, you know, then they have uh, this year's first-round pick, you know, Braden Yeager. So, you know, do they do one or two of them? And then they do have all of their first three first-rounders in the next three years. So, you know, I, I think if you're the Penguins – you're gladly going to give up some of those because you're, you're going to be in a like win you, you might give up one of the. I think this is the point. Like you might give up one. Yeah, you're not giving up multiple first round picks to get this player. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading it differently. But my understanding was a lot of these teams that are in the mix have essentially said we'll take him off your hands for nothing. But short of that, we're not. This is no multiple first round pick scenario. Is at least my understanding of it. No, you're going to give some picks, right? I would, I would think like Sam. I don't think Sam. Well, it all depends on which players you get. If you get back some some younger players, like Seattle does have some players if they wanted to offer, right? And Seattle, Frank had nine first or second rounders the last two drafts. Mm -hmm. If if they want to give up a few, you know, majority of them were second rounders. But if San Jose feels like we got to get some more prospects, which they should. That's the only direction they're going. They're, they're clearly, I, I don't know if the organization wants to admit it yet. I think they're closer, but they're in a rebuild, Frank. 
and they kind of been in one for four years and they're kind of going to, they're going to have to go scorched earth. That's, that's the only way to rebuild in today's NHL. So maybe, yeah, you'll get first rounders. And if you're Pittsburgh, those first rounders are probably late if things go well. Right. And I was looking well, at Pittsburgh. They if were things 20- go well, by the way, yeah. like significant caveat. They, yeah. They, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Right. Yeah. No, the Peng- well, the Penguins, I look at the Penguins, they were 21st in five-on-five five scoring last year. And Eric Carlson was second in the NHL in five-on-five five points on a team that didn't score a lot, right? Like, he's going to help one of the big weaknesses in Pittsburgh, I would think, no doubt, in my eyes. That's where he's going to make them a lot better. So the understanding is, at least, and and Rob, Rob Rossi from The Athletic has been reporting on this, They've brought Chris Letang into the mix and essentially gotten his blessing to say, hey, what what would it look like if Eric Carlson was here? And Eric Carlson has had some of those conversations with the Penguins as well. What does that fit look like? That's where it really starts to get interesting, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if, if you're Chris Letang, like, I, I, people are like, well, you can't have too many good players. I'm like, what? Why not? Like, look at St. Louis when they won. Look at their blue line. Um, you know, Nina Meyer and Pronger played pretty well together in Anaheim. If we want to go to elite uh, blue liners, Victor Hedman, they brought in Ryan McDonough. He did pretty well in Tampa Bay. I, if I'm Chris Letang, I'd be doing cartwheels if they're going to bring in Eric Carlson. It just takes a lot of heat off of you. It takes the oh. pressure off to feel like you need to do everything. The one I don't really understand is Carolina. No. We just got through this in San Jose where they had both Brent Burns and Eric Carlson on the same blue line and it didn't work. Yeah. Well that it didn't work because the rest of the team wasn't very good. Um, but it I, also I, didn't work because Carlson wasn't any good. No. Yeah. He was banged up hundred yeah. percent. You think it was all injury or do you think it was lack of oxygen? Uh, it it might've been a, a bit of both, but I, I do know um, Eric Carlson was playing through some pretty brutal injuries there and was you know was coming back and, and just wasn't the same player you know lots of guys frank they're quote healthy but they're not really healthy you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so we've seen that with a lot of players they come back from an injury and the guy's just not the same for quite a while and you saw it with carlson not this past season but the final 30 games the year before is when he really started to get healthy and if you go back and look like he was playing great you know i probably if i was a smart guy would have looked at that and trusted it more and then bet on him because uh, he was killing it, but hmm. I look at him and if he went to Carolina, you know, obviously Brett Pesci, I would think would have to be moved yep. out and some other pieces, but Carolina could look and say, Hey, we're just going to be like the 2019 St. Louis blues elite blue line, get decent goaltending and have some good forwards. We don't necessarily have a superstar, but Sebastian Ajo could be the Tarasenko of St. Louis and still needs know, a new deal. Yeah. They got some other guys. So I, I could see, Maybe why I'd be interested to them, but I I wonder if Carlson might be like, eh, you know what, Pittsburgh, Toronto, like like what about Toronto? If, if I they're going to do it, makes a, any sense? No, and like unless it's I could have seen it before you signed John Klingberg. Fair point. Yeah, right. Like once you've got Klingberg, it doesn't to me it doesn't make any sense now. Well, it, it also just becomes a money thing, right? How do you wedge in nine and a half million bucks or whatever yeah. the number is? Yeah, well, you'd have to move out some, you know, some significant amount of money, no question mm-hmm. about it. So um, Seattle's an interesting one, especially though, like they just, Vince Dunn just got a big raise. Yeah. Um, and 
Like I, I looked at Seattle. They could do it. But I, the question I have for Seattle is if you're Ron Francis, who historically, Frank, is, is not a guy to make super bold moves, like, do you think that kind of falls in line with his MO? Um, well, I do think that they're facing a little bit of a, I don't want to call it an existential crisis, but of where are we going next? They're this like patient, we're going to build methodically, but then you get a taste of the success and you get a taste of advancing in the playoffs and you say, well, how do we supplement our group and find a way to boost and bolster it without also significantly deviating from the plan. And I think that's kind of going back to what I was saying about the return. Yeah, we're, we're in, if you want to give them to us for nothing. Sure. Who wouldn't take a hundred point defenseman? Then there's really no, the risk is just the cap hit. And then you say, okay, well, if he's hurt, then you just put him on LTIR and you deal with it. And it's a risk worth taking for that kind of talent, but to give up, multiple pieces and assets high valued assets at that plus the cap hit plus the injury history plus the age i just it becomes unpalatable like i looked at seattle and i said okay if if you're trying to make the money work and and if you're willing to give up prospects you could make like Justin Schultz, Alex Wenberg. And, and if you're looking for one young player to try to entice San Jose, maybe Tolvanen, who you know was making 1.4. If you packaged up those three guys, that's $9 million that's going out. You bring him in and you know then some young prospects. You could make it work if they wanted. Now, they've got some other veteran guys who I think they'd want to keep. And I think for Carlson to agree to the trade, you know he'd want to see that they're not you know giving up too much uh, to come back. And and that's always, that's, that's the, the big question though, is yes. how often did he stress in that interview? I want the chance to win. Yes. I'm not saying Seattle doesn't have a chance to win. I just, is the path as clear as it is in no. Carolina or Toronto, or I think even to a lesser extent, Pittsburgh, probably no. not. No, I would agree with you. And, and that's, so that's the tough part. And by the way, here. you mentioned the, the Vince Dunn raise, I believe he's the first player in Kraken history to earn an AAV north of six, which is kind of incredible. Well, hey, he had a really good year, man. Oh, he had a fantastic year. What was it, 64 points? Yeah. It just, he didn't have the track record of doing that repeatedly that would allow him to get longer term than he got. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I think he's pretty happy with that deal, and Seattle would be. Now, the other interesting caveat, Frank, in that uh, interview with Johansson, uh, Carlson mentioned, you know, some other teams. So I went and I was looking, do you see any other teams we haven't mentioned Mm -mm. that might work? No, I was thinking about it from a pure cap perspective, and I did this exercise really in the middle of the season as these trade rumors were starting to heat up. One of the teams I was looking at was Washington just because they hadn't signed any of their defensemen yet. This is pre deadline, pre Rasmus Sandin, pre all those things. And didn't make any sense from a John Carlson perspective. If you're planning on him being back and healthy next season, do you need two Carlson's on your blue line that are both right shot guys that can play the power play? Probably not. And high priced at that. So I crossed that one off. Back before they had made the GM switch, 
the Flyers had the cap space to do it, but that's definitely a no-go now. And I can't really find one other team. Maybe Ottawa, but even then, probably a stretch. Ottawa's the only other team that makes some sense. And he did hint, not hint, but he said directly in the article that he spends the chunk of his summer in Ottawa, plays a lot of golf with Daniel Alfredson, hangs out. Uh, That's where his wife is from. That's going to be his home after hockey. So that's the one other team. And what what a reconnection that would be getting married again between Ottawa and Eric Carlson. That's the only team that makes some semblance of sense. Yeah. And even with and even all then, their... I can't. Yeah. It's yeah, a stretch. Sure. So it's, it's funny. Like you, you have a 101 point defense, but only the sixth guy in NHL history to do it. And, and obviously the cap, it plays a big factor here. This is but... a complicated deal. It's maybe oh. the most complicated deal in NHL history. And I just, I would rate the chances that it gets done at, in its current state, meaning unless the sharks, you know, veer to the left and, and, and Mike Greer plays chicken, essentially, that's what's basically what the month of August is going to be for the Sharks, is a huge game of chicken. Do you bite the bullet and just move him? Or or are you willing to go into the season? Like, what happens if Carlson gets injured? What happens if Carlson suddenly plays like a mere mortal again and is down to 65 points? At that contract, the highest paid AAV among D in the league, even nine and a half is way too much. So you either do it or you don't. Well, and I think that's going to be the big question for any team is when they look at Carlson, do they feel that last year was just, you know, a one-off? Because he's not the only player. There's lots of guys who had career years because offense is up in the NHL, right? Um, Lots of guys. But it, it, now it's been a while, but, you know, Carlson had been a pretty productive guy before, obviously never to the point of 101 points. But, you know, with with increased offense and, you know, if he's healthy, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Carlson, you know, 85, 90, 100, 100 points, man. It's really hard. Like, let's be honest here. So yeah. only or and coffee have done it multiple times. So, um, so I, but I actually think that the timeline on this is unless there's a significant salary restructure, meaning San Jose's taking bad contracts back. I think the timeline on this is earlier in August than later, because look at Pittsburgh, for instance, Um, they're sitting in a spot where they have one ARB case remaining. Drew Drew O'Connor, right? Right. And that's on the last scheduled day possible of August 4th. That opens up a bot and we'll get to the Samsonov uh, arbitration award in a minute, but that opens up a buyout window for the penguins. The second buyout window that could see a Mikhail Granlin buyout. For instance, you saw the flyers. They use their second buyout window on Tony D'Angelo. And by the way, Carolina remains a fit for Tony D'Angelo as a free agent among other teams, but the Penguins would then have some flexibility that 
should this linger on later into August, they begin to lose that because that buyout window will have closed 72 hours after that's settled. Now, it's a good segue to the arbitration. Um, we, we had our it's first... almost like I used to do this. Yeah, yeah. Our first two cases that uh, were awarded, uh, Philip Kurashev gets a two-year deal. Now, the two years are, are the team. The team chooses. Do they want one or two years? So they went for two, and uh, Kurashev gets 2.25 mil. He had nine goals, 25 points, in 70 games for the Blackhawks last year. I'm telling you, if you're Trent Frederick, who had 17 goals and 31 points, or Ryan McLeod, who had 11 goals, 23 points in 57 games, those two guys in their camps, even Jack McBain in, in Arizona, are probably like, all right, this is great for us. And then Samsonov gets a one-year deal at 3.35, Frank. And when you consider... or 3.55. 3 yep. When you consider his value to the team, and his numbers, he was 27, 10, and 5. He had a 919 save percentage, right? Really good goals against average. Comparing Kurashev to Samsonov, you'd be like, man, Kurashev really hit it to the bank here. And Samsonov might have an argument of, geez, this guy's a third line player, and I'm only getting a 1.3 million more than him. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. I know. And goalies are always, I think, probably in, in true value to the team a bit undervalued relative to cap but yeah i mean the team that's hurting the most i think today is the edmonton oilers ryan trying McLeod. to get ryan mcleod done because i i think they were trying to wedge him in just south of two million bucks or right at two million bucks and now that number suddenly is like two five and all of a sudden at some point, that number is going to become, I don't want to say unpalatable, but it's going to become really difficult for them to swallow because it's really going to squeeze Evan Bouchard. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I had heard that McLeod, the negotiations were pretty close uh, recently. Now, pretty close I don't, and I done. I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. Like, pretty close and done are very different, of course. But, um, and I do think that the Kurish have won for sure. If you're Ryan McLeod, and you look and say, because McLeod, now I, I was, a few things for anybody who doesn't follow arbitration closely. They don't really take analytics into it. So it, it's really just points, um, games played, time on ice. Those are some of the big ones. You know, they look at, and the most recent year is considered the most valuable. And then the second year after that, you know. Yeah, but it's not so much the second year. They then look at career totals yeah. that are yeah. really what's most important. And for Bouchard having two he doesn't have arb rights, but having no. two 40 point seasons on oh. the back end, like he's in, he would, if he had an arb case, he'd be in for a massive number. Yeah. And the Oilers yeah. just, they hit it at the right time that he doesn't have arb rights. But the point and why this comes back to Bouchard is they only have so much cap space to go around. And however much McLeod chews up, that's how much less they can give to Bouchard. Cause that's all that's left in the pie. And it's every dollar extra that goes into McLeod's pocket is essentially taken out of Bouchard's pocket. Because if you look, it's, it's an overly simplistic way to no. look at it, but that's kind of how it works. Oh, it's very true. Like Ryan McLeod was in Bouchard's rights last year. And it, right before training camp, he had to sign a contract for $794 basically because yep. that's all they had left in cap space. And, and I think now, that's part of the reason why this has 
he, he I'm sure he at some point he kind of feels like he got squeezed last year played the role of the good soldier and now says look I have Arbright's Bouchard doesn't he's going to be the one that has to get squeezed here not me and the fact that you have all these other contracts on your books those aren't really my problem no it's totally fair and because so Bouchard's camp is looking at uh, Keandre Miller and Bowen Byram's contracts that came in around 3.8 million dollars recently and says hey I'm right in the category as those two guys. And so I think he's actually a, a slight notch ahead of them. You think in Miller's case, like he has more yep. points than Miller, but Miller plays more minutes and tougher competition, right? Like time on ice for defensemen matters a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I, I think he's point production wise to, like I said, two forty point seasons under his belt. Yeah. I think, I do think he's a notch above. He, he's now the linchpin or one of the linchpins to the Oilers power play. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up, Frank, because now here's a very outside the box thought I'm going to propose to you. So you're the Edmonton right, Let me put my helmet on. Hang on. Yeah. You have, you have the best power play in NHL history. 32.5%. The last four years combined, their power play has been 29.1%, which is obviously the greatest in NHL history over a four-year span. The Islanders were at like 28 back in like 78 to 81. Um, and here's the thing. The Oilers power play in that time, Frank, they've used Oscar Clefbaum, Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, and Bouchard. So even if you just go the last three years on the power play, they, they've, you've used Barry the most, then Bouchard, then Nurse. Okay, I'm picking the, up the, what you're putting down. Yeah, the goals per minute or goals per 60 is 13.2 to 13.5 with the three defenders. It doesn't change significantly. Now, Bouchard, to me, he has the best shot of the three, no question. He's a right shot. Nurse is a left shot. That changes some things. I think he's got better natural offensive instincts than Nurse. There's no question here. But when Nurse was on the power play, their power play was still very successful. And so if you're the Edmonton Orders... Do you think there'd be any consideration to say, geez, if, if we're getting priced out here, would you trade him and just say, well, we're already paying nurse huge dollars anyway. Why not just have him on the power play? Mm, well, no, He's because done well. you, you have the contractual hammer. Yeah, no, I, Hey, I agree. But I'm, I'm saying if Bouchard's camp really digs their, their heels in, which I think they, and by the way, I'm a huge silly Evan to Bouchard do. fan. They I would be silly has... to do that because he has a once in a lifetime opportunity to take these next two years on this bridge deal and cash in fair point, especially when the cap goes up and have a chance to win. And you like to force your way out essentially is what you're hinting at. If they dig their heels in, because that's essentially what you'd be doing, right? If you want to dig your heels in and say, we want more and they don't have any more to give you, you're essentially forcing your way out. Yeah, no I just fair. don't see it happening. It doesn't make any sense. So now but I get what so, you're saying, though, in the sense that I was completely wrong. And I mentioned this at the trade deadline when the trade for Ekholm went down. I did not like the idea of them moving Tyson Barry. And I, I ate a healthy slice of crow, um, not just with how well Ekholm played, but how seamless the power play transitioned from one to the next. Yeah. And it's not a knock on Barry. Like, Barry's a really good player. So is Bouchard. It's just the Oilers' power play. It runs between McDavid, Drysaddle, and then Nugent Hopkins is the third most important player on that power play. And not that the D-men aren't important, 
But it's just when you look at touches and everything else and, and you look at when they're scoring, it doesn't matter who's on the point. And it's not a knock. It's just that's a statistical number that doesn't change, mm -hmm. right? And, so, and it means that Barry and Bouchard both have a lot of skill. There's no question. But it is a factor on that power play, which is one of the – well, it's the best we've ever seen in the NHL. And, um, you know, I don't think they do it either. But so that leads me to this. If you're Evan Bouchard and, uh, and you're his representative, Dave Gagne – would it be better to just take a one-year deal rather than two because then you cash in next year? I mean, you, I, I'd always want to get to free agency as quick as possible and bet on myself. But for two years, I don't think there's much harm. And the Oilers are going to want to push for two years. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, By the way, then, so my big complaint with the trade at the time was how popular Tyson Barry is who had the more star studded wedding list over the summer. <laughs> was it Tyson Barry getting married or Brady Kachuk? Well, I'll be honest, Frank. I, I didn't look at the lists of either one. I saw some pictures of, uh, cause they had Crosby and McKinnon, like, like Barry's played on a few more teams. So he probably has a, a little bit overall, arching uh playlist but i didn't Andy see like ben, who, like it, it was there was a whole host of people the shen brothers like it was yeah. a legitimate all-star squad yeah i would say what the kachuk wedding might have lacked the wedding party might have lacked in superstar power they made up for in party prowess well, I can see that. Yeah. Brady Kachuk, if you were having a party, he'd be at the top of the list of fun guys. You got the Hazes, the Fitzgeralds, the your family members. Did you see the all someone posted an all Kachuk wedding party roster? Like you could do it from uh like you you had four lines and six D and also a goalie, a head coach, and a GM. It was unbelievable. Just from the just from the poster of the seating chart. It's quality content, <laughs> quality summer content. <laughs> so I got to, I got to go back to the arbitration. We now have eight Come guys. On, why do you got to be a fun suck? Well, no, we'll get back to the wedding in a sec, but the arbitration, if you're Philip Gustafson and Jeremy Swayman, does the Samsung off numbers? Cause if, if you look at those guys, they're nine twenty, nine twenty two save percentage. Their, their goals against average is a little bit lower than, uh, than, um, Samsung off at two twenty seven for Swayman and two ten for Gustafson. They got to be looking at this and saying that might be the low bar for us and we could potentially earn more. Well, Swayman doesn't have as many games played in his career. Yeah, and and Gustafson um like I know that he's had a, a tremendous season last year, but it was really his first opportunity. His previous high in games played in a season was 18. Mm -hmm. And he was sub 900 in Ottawa. So he had an unbelievable year. Do you, I get the need for someone that hasn't made a ton of money. He's made 2 million career earnings total. This is a year where you need to get paid. If you're him, wouldn't you want to try and reach a longer term? And I don't mean like seven years, but like, wouldn't you want a little security? Like if I were Gustafson, the way I'd be approaching this is what's a reasonable number that you think we can get to on a four-year deal? Ooh, 
Is it mm -hmm. four times four, four times three, whatever the number is, get yourself some security. Put a little jangle in your pocket. No, that's fair because the goaltending position outside so of a fickle. few guys. Like, what, oh. like, he doesn't have a proven track record to point to and say, hey, you can, you know, you're going to cash in now and cash in later. This might be it for you. This might be the one deal for your career. And I'm not yeah. saying it will or won't be. I'm just saying that's how I would look at it. Yeah. Or he says, hey, man, I'm just getting started, right? I'm a goaltender. You look at the history of goalies. Most, most don't. Until the age of he's 25. 20, he is 25, and he's yeah. maybe he's sitting there saying, I, I just look at it, and I look at the trends, especially this summer, and I say teams are making it clear they don't want to pay goalies big money. Maybe just – Lock yourself into a good situation. That wild team, 100-plus points last year, probably going to be pretty good again. And then when they finally get over the hump of this dead cap money, they're probably going to be really good. Don't you want to be the guy in net? Well, if you're Minnesota, and let's say it just goes to arbitration, I, I don't see the numbers of Gustafson that say he's going to get significantly higher than Samsonov, right? Like, he might get a little bit, but let's just say for the most part, Frank, he's at 3.5. Yeah. If you're the wild... You'd probably then want to get a two-year deal, right? You'd put in your two years before. Oh you yeah, wanted. you would, of of course you would. You, yeah. You'd walk him right to free agency. Yeah. Well, that's that's then, the only thing is, you, that's the the thought process that they'd have to work through is: Do you want one year, which puts him back in RFA again, which then allows him to get extra leverage? Think about this: the There's been a couple teams that have gone down that path. I think the Winnipeg Jets did it with Andrew Kopp. And that essentially signaled the end. Cop played one more year in Winnipeg, and then he was gone. Even though he's an RFA, he's still... Yeah. Those guys end up hitting the road anyway. If I were him, I might be willing to take a little bit less than the ARB number and multiply it by a number of years for reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, that's fair. I, and I if could you're also... the Wild, the last thing you want to do, even though they've got... Um, they've got a prize prospect coming in net. The last thing you really want to do is your team finally gets over the dead cap money and you got to go out now and find the next guy. Like Jesper Wallstad is only 20. Mm -hmm. And he had good numbers in the AHL last year in Iowa. The last thing you want to do though is, is find yourself in a tough spot where you need more in net and you don't have it. I don't know. I could see a path there for a multi-year deal. It just, it's been slow going to this point for the wild and, and Gustafson. See, I, I think if they go to, if they go to arbitration, a two year deal at 3.5, that works out really well for the player. He gets 7 million real money and the wild that takes them a two year deal when that contracts up. So is their dead cap hits. Right. Like it drops down from what are they at 14.7 to 1.6. Like they free up $13.1 million in two years in cap space. And then if Gustafson's put together three really good years and he's 27, they'll be like, yeah, we'll pay you. Whatever. No problem at that point. We didn't even talk about the most interesting ARB case that's still pending in Troy Terry. Back to back 60 point seasons, man. 67 and 61. 60s, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, uh, also hit 60 goals in that span. So divides out to 30-30. Oh, he's getting big. But you know who else, Frank, is going to get so, a big But like, break? So you, if you're the Ducks, 
again, another guy that's right in your age scheme, 25. Do you, you really want to go to ARB? I think the last thing you want to do is go to ARB. But Pat Verbeek is, he's a stubborn guy. Like Troy Terry at, at let's say Troy Terry at four or $5 million at, at six mil. It doesn't, doesn't seem crazy. Does it? You said what, what'd you say? Like four or five years at six to seven mil. That's way light. You think he's going to get more than seven mil? Oh yeah, I do. (laughs) I think he's, I think he's somewhere in the seven, five range on a, on any deal with term. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you could be right. Could be that high. I mean, like they gave Alex he... Col- I'm just, I'm just thinking of like, so Clayton Keller is younger and he signed his deal a long time ago, but Clayton Keller is seven one five. It's not a current comp. No, but at yeah. least in terms of point production, I know Keller had the one exceptional year last year at 86, but I kind of viewed him as a similar type player. Yeah, like, well, because he he had two 60 point seasons, and a lot of people felt like, yeah, Clayton Keller, was he really living up to it? And then obviously last year, he blew it out of the water with his, what did he get, 85, 86 points? Oh, yeah, I think, I think Troy Terry's much closer to seven and a half than he is six. Okay, you could be right. Um, because, well, the thing is, the Ducks got money, right? Like, they can sign him and Zegris, and they could give them each seven mil, and they'd still have 14 mil in cap space. But think, but the smartest thing they could do is go long term. Yes. Buy yeah, low. I agree it's never going to hurt them and they have to spend the money anyway. Mm-hmm. There's still 6 million below the cap floor yeah. and take care of Jamie Drysdale while you're at it too, and pay him long-term those deals never age poorly. Look at the sends. Look how ridiculous those sends contracts are going to look soon. Stutzla yeah. and Batherson. He didn't get super long-term, but Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris, like those guys Thomas Shabbat, those those contracts are going to be laughable in two years. What they're paying those guys. And by the way, you, I want to talk quickly about the East. Yeah, because you mentioned Pittsburgh, and like let's, like let's even play the hypothetical game where they get Carlson. Yeah, I think the Buffalo Sabers make the playoffs next year. Agreed. Um, I think the Ottawa Senators make the playoffs next year. Who, like, if the Pens are going to get in, who else is coming out? Um, Are you ready to say now that, and I'm not putting your feet to the fire, I'm just posing a question for everyone to think about over the next couple months as we make our prognostications. Are you willing to say now that one of Boston or Tampa is on the way out. Well, I don't see Tampa and I like Boston could fall 35 points and they're still at hundred points. <laughs> right. Like that's, what's crazy. About it. How, like how they could fall 35 freaking points, win 15 fewer games and still be at hundred points. Like it's absolutely crazy how good they were now. Like I I'm a huge fan of Montgomery as a coach, right? Like so many people, but I you realize to, that last year has nothing to do with this. Nope. Year. I totally You're like agree. the guy right now looking no, no, at no. the roulette board. But the but casino. here's the thing, Frank. The big question to me is, if Patrice Bergeron doesn't come back, Frank, then I think it's a big question. Because who's their center iceman? Krejci's not coming back. Bergeron's not coming back. So who would play center? I think that's a very fair concern for sure. 
But their goaltending's good. Their defense core is good. Um, but who's going to score goals? Now, they have Pasternak. He can score in Marchand. But who who else after that, right? Like, they've lost quite a bit, right? They lost Hall. I know they only got Bertuzzi at the deadline, but still, they lost him. Um, I think there's questions in Boston. But to fall out of the playoffs, man, like, that would be monumental. Like, they literally have to have 40 fewer points. And I but know they a had much a record small, It's here. a much smaller drop for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, but they made it. They made it by six points. Yeah, all their key guys are there. I like. I agree. I think any team that has Vasilevsky, Hedman, Sergachev, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point, yeah, is making it. Yeah, but like the Islanders, you have to at least ask the question, don't you? Yeah, yeah. No, Boston. I think Frank. It's too early because we don't know about Bergeron. If Patrice Bergeron comes back, I think they're a playoff team. I th- if he doesn't, I, I know nothing about this. So when I give my prediction, don't hold me to it. I think he decides at the last minute he's coming back. Me too. Like he was too good last year. It's it's not that he's too good. I just can't even. Even if you go through next season and you lose in the first round again, to go out that way in Game Seven Fair. against the yeah. eight seed, I just I don't. I'm sure he's a fiery, hungry competitor and certainly in an understated way, I just wouldn't want to go out like that. Yeah, that's fair. I totally agree. Right. And it's not that they lost game seven, Frank, they're up three to one in the third period <laughs> to the eight yeah, seed on home the ice. series and yeah. the series. Yes. So yeah, no. And so that makes sense. And if he comes back like the Islanders, Frank, I'm like, I, they really haven't done anything different. Um, they still have an elite goal. I mean anything different. They like quadrupled down. Yeah. Well, you know, they got rid of Josh Bailey. I guess that's really they quadrupled like, down on one of the most average teams in the league. The yeah. only thing is they have the goalie. And sometimes yeah. I think I've been saying this forever. Sometimes I think you should just change the name of the sport to goalie. Cause if you don't uh, have one, you can't win. Yeah. I that's think the only reason why I'm not willing to say totally that the Islanders are out. Like I yeah. think they could get a nine twenty seven season from Sorokin and be a seven seed. Yeah, very possible. I think they're hoping that but that Horvat obviously plays better than he did when he came over and that lots of guys historically, you know, that first time they get traded, they don't have, whether it's a, they get traded in the offseason the first time or free agent, that first year in the new city isn't always the best. And I think the Islanders are hoping that that's the case with Horvat. That, th- this is our summer homework, though. I'm saying right now, Buffalo and Ottawa in. I got to find two teams out. Yeah. That's it. That's the summer homework assignment. And, and so, Wash, where's Washington going? I, I, I don't. I think a lot of it's going to depend on John Carlson's health, but I don't know. I don't know I, what are they doing with Kuznetsov. There was a report over the weekend that Brian McClellan is being pretty aggressive and trying to move him. Um, I just, I'm not sure about that team. Yeah. Honestly. And they still have Mantha. Like I, they didn't really get done anything that they wanted to get done this summer. Like, can you make a case in any which way that the caps are improved? I like the Pacioretty signing. I think that gives them some pretty incredible threats from both sides of the ice on the power play. But Nicholas Backstrom one year older and slower than what he was. Kuznetsov question mark. 
Tom Wilson entering the last year of his deal. Anthony Mantha, they've been trying to unload him. And I just, I don't, I don't know how I feel about their decor. Yeah, no, there's, hey, it's a very valid question, man. You look and and the caps, like, it's funny. Tom Wilson is, well, I guess Mantha's a year younger than him, but like those are their two forwards in their top six, really, that are under the age of 30. And they're both pending UFAs at the end of this season. And I know they don't love the way Mantha's played, but man, that's a team that, that's getting older. And you look at Pittsburgh, and, and they're, they realize that they're older, but they're like, we're going to try to make one last hurrah. And that's why I think they'll make a strong push for Carlson. But Washington, I'm kind of like, what's their last hurrah? What are they doing here to try to improve? I, I think they're caught in the middle. I think they've got players that they're beholden to, like an Ovi, to be competitive. But at the same time, probably deep down, would really like to rebuild and are caught trying to do both things at once. They also had some really bad injury luck last year. Yes. And I think that's And they have a new coach coming in. So like there is some reason for optimism, but what is, I guess my, my question would be even in the most optimistic sense, what is the ceiling? Like, I don't, even if they were to get in, I don't think anyone's looking at the caps as a true Stanley cup contender. No, I wouldn't think so. Not, not right now anyway, but, you know, everything can change quickly. We'll see. Um, it's interesting, Frank, for uh, for an off-season pod. I like it. That was fun. Uh, yeah, get back to the something beach. something to talk about. What, uh, what, what, what's, on the, uh, what's on the agenda? Like, are, or what do you do at the beach? Uh, go for a bike ride every morning and try and drop some LBs. Uh, hit the beach a few days a week. I, I have a chance some, and some time to cook. And do some different things, so that's that's always fun. And really are you a swimmer? A, do you go uh, swimming? I go in the water at the beach. I don't. I wouldn't call myself a swimmer. I would call myself a lounger. Uh, well, buddy, try to swim. Even just try to swim for two minutes straight. You want to you want to lose some lbs and get in good shape? Trust I'm actually me, a little the hardest thing. The ocean. Yeah, swimming's the hardest. Ocean, ocean swimming is ridiculous. Oh, it's swimming anywhere is tough, man. Like it. It tires me out. So I, I, when I, I did a, uh, like a, a triathlon sprint once and like I, I can bike and run. So I, I train in those, but I really worked hard on the swimming. I don't think I've ever slept better in my life when I was swimming three, four days a week and swimming, you know, like a, you know, 750 to a thousand meters when I would do it. And I would come home from those days and I never slept better in my life. Like just body was so worn out and not in pain because it's, you know, it's low impact. It's not hurting you, but it is tiring. So it's the greatest thing. Like I hate I've never, it. I've never had an issue it. sleeping in my life. Oh, that's good. I but I slept anywhere. like I'm so oh. mentally exhausted every day. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like le- legitimately my, I go to bed at night brain drained for the most part. And that's actually one of the challenges for me in the summer when there's not as much going on is to like put my brain to use. Well, do your research, Frank, you have uh, about eight weeks mm-hmm. to uh, decide which two, who's going out. Cause you're saying Ottawa and Buffalo in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in on you and the save savers. I'm not there yet on the sense. Sense are close, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on them yet. We'll see. Frank have some good beach uh, time. Uh, we'll chat with you in a few weeks.